Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 7-19-2023. We're ready to begin our worship service. Let's begin with prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time we have this evening. We are happy to be here uh, where we can focus our attention on you, Father. We thank you for uh, life, health, and strength and uh, another day in this world that we can make decisions for you. We pray for those who are sick among us. Father, you know the names that are there. Pray especially for Mike this evening. Uh, you know the circumstances. We pray in lifting him up uh, and his family as well. Also, we pray for the Haddon family and praying for uh, Deborah's father, Jerry, and so many other names that come to mind, uh, especially Kenny, who's still in the hospital at this hour, Kenny Jr. So, Lord, there are so many concerns, and anytime we have concerns or worries, we, we ought to take them to you, and that's what we do, Father. So, we pray that we can now focus our attention on your word and the wisdom that was destined for our glory before time began. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we have been studying in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. And today we're looking at verses 17 and 18. We are moving through Romans 12. We only have a few verses left, maybe three or four verses, which will probably go pretty quick. We'll see how it goes. We're not in a hurry. But today we're looking at Romans 12, 17, and 18, which says, <clears throat> Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You should have notes, and in your notes, having the Spirit's influence in our lives gives us the opportunity to think and act according to the Father's eternal purpose. Someone may ask, what does that look like on the ground? As we can see, God anticipated the question and provided some guidelines for our instruction. Many of us cannot see how we can think and act in new ways. They feel bound by their natural inclinations and persistent behaviors. Salvation requires only one decision of faith to receive the gift of eternal life. But the new life requires many faith decisions to be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. So that's where we are. That's what we've been talking about, how to live. And we are given... Uh, some examples, some guidelines. It'd be, he could just say, be good. And you might say, okay, I'm going to be good. But good then will be defined by whatever you think good is. So what God has done is given us description, guidelines, examples of what it looks like to be good. I appreciate that because we need this sort of instruction. We need to be able to put it 
practically so that we can see how it works in the world. And so that's where, where we're going to begin with the first phrase, <clears throat> do not repay anyone evil for evil. So point A is we continue with general guidelines for spiritual living in this world. Now notice this is spiritual living. This is not just psychological living, right? If they do this, you do that. You know, situational living. Uh, this is for those who are believers in this world. Now, obviously, as we're believers, we won't only be interacting with other or fellow believers. We also will be interacting with those in the world. So the guidelines, even though they may have started out with how believers treat one another, they're going to sort of morph into general instruction about how we are to, to behave. Not just around believers, but also as it has to do with those who are antagonistic or are enemies. As we will talk about it as, as the context develops it. So there are general guidelines. So he's not going to tell you specifically, oh, you know your brother over there who just did this to you and this is... Now, you're going to have to take these general guidelines and see them as principles so that you are able to retrofit these guidelines into your spiritual life. It may not be that particular thing that happened to you, but... It, it, it's enough for us to operate on principle rather than uh, fly by the seat of our pants uh, in every situation. And that's, that's not what's important, right? We should have principles that guide our lives, right? We, should, we, should, we know which direction we're going. We understand uh, what God has called us to and why we're here. So these general guidelines and principles will help us uh, as we walk in the world. So let's keep going. I think the context develops it more so than this introduction will. So point B, <clears throat> we should not think for a moment that believers are incapable of, of behaving in these negative ways. Hence, we have the guidelines, right? So if God didn't need to tell us this, he wouldn't have told us this. So think of it that way. Think of it from the standpoint of, oh, well, if birds are flying in the air and God says, listen, do not fly in the air, we're going to say, wait a minute, that's kind of silly, God. I can't fly. Well, a lot of people think that believers would not act in these ways. They think, well, if you're a believer, then you wouldn't do this or you wouldn't do that because... You have some abiding force within you that's going to make you do what's right. And, and the, you have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit won't let you do that. Well, it's not so. Because if that were so, we wouldn't have these types of scriptures to help us, to give us principles of living, or how we should. Don't do this. Don't do that. Well, why? Well, that means people either were doing it, or... They are capable of doing it. So don't see, don't see believers, you know, as some robotic 
people who have to do a certain thing. They don't. They can fail and, and often do fail. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't even have to say that. You should already know that. And if we're being real with God, we know we fail. We're not putting on, saying, oh, well, we're acting a certain way or just because we, we can check the boxes off. Well, I don't do this, God, and I don't do that, and I don't do the other thing, so I must be pretty good. No, 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 don't, don't get there. Don't go there because that would be self-righteousness. We have to, only, the only good that we can have in the spiritual life is that which is motivated by God the Holy Spirit. That's it. There's nothing within ourselves that God respects. He already told us what he thought about it, even before we started. So let's, let's put that to bed. So, <clears throat> so, yeah, Christians can get into, into negative decisions, negative ways. They can do that, and they do. Point C. The power to live this life, that's the Christ life, comes from Christ. Imagine that. Right? <laughs> We're living the Christ life, right? We're walking in his footsteps. As we do... Uh, there's some power that uh, it's not just us mimicking or mocking Christ. It is literally Christ living in us. John 14 has this one statement. Every time we get to this statement, we, we pause and think about it. John 14, 19, it says, Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. And here, these last six words because I live you also will live actually <clears throat> seven words but <laughs> but don't worry these last words are important to the dynamics that are going on in the new life the, the new spirit driven life because I live you also will live so we can't live because we are alive so there's a new type of life that is needed to live the spiritual life. This, we, we can't, the human life that we have, while we are unrighteous, condemned, dead, right? All that's from Adam. So the life we have, yeah, we have life, but it's not, God just is telling us that it is a life that has already been judged. It is not like God. Our thoughts are not like God. Our righteousness and standards are not like God's. So we have to make sure that we gravitate toward what God has provided for us. That's the only way out. There's no other way out. So, in, so, so this Christ life is fueled by God the Holy Spirit. So that go to John 16, 13, and 14. It's just some description of it. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So who, he's the one leading and guiding us, right? And that's not our own direction. He will not speak on his own. So it's not about him. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what, it, what is uh, yet to come. He will glorify me, Christ, Christ is saying, this, this is his objective, the Holy Spirit's objective. It's not to glorify self, but to glorify Christ. 
because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So you could say the Holy Spirit is a go-between or a liaison between Christ and us. So in order to, com to properly communicate the mind of Christ to us, God has uh, given us the spirit of truth. That's the goal. That's the role that he has so that we can know the mind of Christ. <clears throat> the mind of Christ is not just a golden rule. It's not about just morality. Do unto others as they would do unto you. Yeah, that's how people think about the mind of Christ. The, the, uh -uh. So verse 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will receive from me and what he will make known to you. What would, so what does Christ have? What did Christ, was Christ given? The plan, the Father's eternal purpose is now resting on the shoulders of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has it. So that is the mind of Christ. That is the deep things of God. And now the Spirit communicates that to us in, in certain language that we can now understand. We can now understand the Father's plan because of the provision provided by the Father, and that is the Spirit of Truth and Christ. So, so there it is. That's what's important to know, the power to live this Christ life. It doesn't come from us. It comes from Christ himself through the ministry of the Spirit as we have just seen. So point D, this phrase, don't repay anyone evil for evil. So notice this, anyone. It's not just a believer, but anyone at all. So if someone does you wrong, <laughs> then don't repay wrong to them back. All right? Let's think about this for a minute here. So what does it mean to repay evil for evil? So there is a cycle of repaying or recompensing evil. It's like a, a cycle. Right? Uh, why would someone pay anyone evil? It's because they received evil. Right? That's the thought of it. So it goes on. So why did you do that to them? Because they did that to me. Well, why did you, you, you turn to the next person? Well, why did you do that to them? Because they did that to me. And it goes around and around and around. We have to stop the cycle. We have to break it. Repaying evil for evil is the way of the world. This is part of the sin nature. Someone hits me, I hit him back. Someone does something wrong to me, I figure out, I'm sitting here devising evil, trying to figure out how I can get them back. That's, that's the world. So it was, you know, it just reminds me of this... Uh, common feud. The only reason why I talk about the Hatfield, Hatfields and the McCoys. It, this is two families. Uh, it was quite interesting. I, I, I knew about this, but I, I thought I'd look it up a little bit before I talked about it. So the Hatfields, <laughs> the Hatfields lived in West Virginia, and it was very close to the border of West Virginia and Kentucky. And there was a little river that ran, or it's like a stream that ran between the two, uh, the border, right? So, so the Hatfields were on the, I believe, if I'm wrong, so that's not the point so much. But the Hatfields were in Kentucky, and the McCoys were in West Virginia. And 
Of course, there was some kind of little skirmish that started between them, the two families. They had large families, 12 and 13 kids each, right? And, and of course, this little skirmish, I think it was somebody, one of them killed a hog or something that belonged to the other one, and they started, you know, with violence. Then one person was shot and killed, and then they went, and because of that, they... They returned evil for evil. They went and killed four of the other people in the other family. And then this thing went back and forth, and it became deadly to the extent where it was bad. They even took, to, took it to court. Uh, the police were involved, uh, as it was. But it didn't stop the violence. And this thing went on for, decade, for over a decade, and, and decades that they were just antagonistic toward one another, deadly. So it became that. So, so it's it's people know this term, the Hatfields and the McCoys, because they were feuding, and this is part of history now. You can Google it, and you can see how this all works. This evil just continues. But you know we see it as well in gang violence. In our day, it's not the Hatfields and the McCoys, but it's gang violence. Some gangs are just rival gangs with other gangs, and there's fights between them. And they don't, you killed our boys, and we're going to kill your boys. Or, and if you want to expand that even further, <clears throat> you can look at wars. <laughs> you hit us, we're going to bomb you. You bomb us, we're going to bomb you. It's just the cycle of evil in this world. It can be in the church. Right? Someone in the church can visit evil upon you. And as you see that, you may react and decide how you want to repay them or pay, you know, recompense them evil for what they have done to you. It's, it's just it's a cycle. So just understand where it comes from and what it's about. So point E, how can we break the cycle of repaying evil for evil. First, <clears throat> as it dawns on us that evil has been has befallen us, let's say once somebody does something to you and you know it, we should not plan for revenge, but realize who we are and why we're here. Right? So we have to stop and think about right? we're not part of this world. Now we can get caught up in it for sure. We were born here, and this is maybe you know, what our habits and how we feel about things. But there is another way. You have to stop. You have to realize why you're here, who you are, and why you're here. Once you realize who you are, and you're not of this world, and you're in Christ, you're a new spiritual uh, creation, and God has a plan for your life, right? And while we're here, we have a goal, a mission, so we have to begin to think in terms of why we're here. Right? I, I know that means we have to look away from ourselves and understand the Father's plan. I realize this is a more mature perspective. I do. I understand that. And can we fail? Can we fall? Yes, we have. And we may still, but we've got to break the cycle. How do we do it? This is how we start. We, with, the, with the realization of who we are in Christ. 
and why are we here? Why are our boots on the ground? Point F. Sure, we can repay evil for evil. Sure, we can figure it out. <laughs> don't think, don't think uh, we don't have any experience with evil. We do. But there are other choices from the divine perspective. And just remember, evil begets evil, as we saw in this cycle, and cannot be satisfied. So even if some people will, I've seen, a, I've seen Christians do this a lot in the world, right? So a terrible thing will happen to them. And they know, the scripture tells us, that we are to forgive and don't let evil consume us and all that. So, so they do. They say, well, I forgive them. I forgive them. And this makes it seem like, you know, this is uh, such a, even though it's a hard thing, it goes against the flow. I've seen people actually do this. So, so can we not retaliate? That's the thought. But, you, but just telling somebody you forgive them and saying, okay, I'm not going to do it because the scripture says it, does not mean we are transformed in that area. Your heart has to be changed. So it's not just a wooden obedience to the text. It is something that is motivated by the Holy Spirit. And we have humility toward Him and allow His thoughts, His ways to rule in our lives. And we allow it. So, so it, maybe they have said forgiveness because it complies with the scripture but the true uh, way to stop the cycle is for this to really happen and we change our th the way we think about things that's the real solution for God so it's not just oh <clears throat> don't return evil for evil okay whatever somebody does to me I'm not gonna change I'm gonna but then in your heart, you're burning up inside because you want to give back at them. You want to fight and, and return evil for evil. But you remember that that scripture's there. That's not it. That's not how we respond. Just because you remember the scripture's there and you say, oh, I'm not going to do it. But you're burning up inside. No, that's not what God is asking you to do here. This is not the guideline. The guideline is about understanding who you are. So... And why you're here. And, and it's a different way of thinking. As I used to say <laughs> years ago, it was like if you are on a mission to go somewhere, let's say you're headed to New York or wherever you're going, Orlando, and you're on that road, man, and you got to get there, and maybe it's work or something, and people come alongside and stop you along the way. Maybe somebody cut you off. Maybe somebody turned in front of you. Maybe they turned, didn't put their blinker on. Did something crazy. You could retaliate, you know. There's ways people do it. I see it all the time. But you have to remember, I got a job. I'm going to work, right? So whatever they do, you kind of like disregard it. Like, that's not important. I'm still alive. I'm rolling. I, I got to get to work, right? So it's having a different mindset when it comes to the divine perspective. We know we have a mission here. We know we're here to, you know, as those who are in Christ and 
we have we're ambassadors and we have we're ministers of reconciliation etc etc those are the things that are constantly circulating in our thinking who we are in Christ the deep things of God what God has done for us who we are what all of it means so we can't satisfy evil even if we just stifle it that doesn't work we have to have new thinking when it comes to how to overcome these things that's why I say God has another way of doing this so do not repay evil, anyone evil for evil. These are guidelines and principles, not necessarily, oh, somebody uh, cut me off, so I'm going to throw up the finger to them. No, that's, that's retaliation. Or, or if, even if you want to throw up the finger to them, or this is, I shouldn't even be using this as, as an example, but the thought is, no, we have to overcome this. We have to overcome evil with what is good. And we're going to talk about that as it goes, the, the passage goes forward. Point number two is be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. So to be careful, the first point A is be careful. That word means to consider in advance, that is look out for beforehand. And it's in the active voice by way of the maintenance for others but it is the middle voice by way of circumspection of or for oneself. Right? So what do we mean by the active voice and the middle voice? A verb in the Greek has three tenses or three voices. We could say the active voice is the subject is acting on someone. Right? So that's the active voice. The middle voice is the subject is acting upon himself or herself and the passive voice is the subject is being acted upon from something else someone else so so you got those three in the middle means you have to think about this for yourself right when it says be careful to do what is right it's saying as in terms of the evil for evil right so that's the context so if someone as visits evil upon you, let's say, or evil evil befalls you, what do you do? You gotta carefully consider in advance before you try to respond or think about it. Right? This is what is asked of us is to think about ourselves, who we are, right? All that. This is why the middle voice is spoken of. So that's the definition of be careful. So, so point B, instead of repaying evil for evil, take some time to consider and think through the issue. And I pointed out, I called out, notice also it is in the middle voice, and that means by way of circumspection of oneself. You have to think about yourself here. As Same thing I was saying earlier about who we are and what we're doing here. Think about yourself. Think about what's important here. People will do things that are wrong in this world. This is the way of the world. It is about evil in the world. Oh, you did that to me? I'm going to get you. Remember the Hatfoot Fields and the McCoys, the gang violence. It is everywhere. That, it's not just gang violence. It's mentality. 
of repaying evil for evil. Right, so there's options. There's other ways to think about this. And so that was point B. Point C, right? Be careful what? To do what is right. That's what we're to be careful and think about it. What is right? <laughs> okay. It is what the spirit of truth motivates us to do. The spirit motivates. We allow, be we allow the behavior. So notice, so to do, be able to do what is right, we have to have this. First of all, we got to know what is right before we can do it. We got to be born again. We got to be saved. I think that's down the road a little bit. <clears throat> but to do what is right, we're talking about believers here. We can't tell unbelievers to do this. Well, we can tell them to do it, but they're only going to do it from their sinful nature, from their from their experience. But for believers, if you have been had your mind transformed. And it's renewed, so now you have a base of operation for the spirit of truth to operate on, to motivate you, and to encourage you to walk in. So to do what is right, that's the spirit of truth. It motivates us to do it. And, and we, once that happens, all we do is allow the behavior. Of course, we have to learn the behavior. Or the spirit of truth does not have any material to work with. So instead of the spirit of truth trying to motivate you to respond properly, the spirit of truth is trying to motivate you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because that's the first step in the spiritual life, to get the understanding of where we are and what we're doing here. That's the first thought in Christ, the Christian life. As newborn babes, as it says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So point D, we can grieve or quench the spirit. These things are very possible. Now, I will read Ephesians, the one for Ephesians in Ephesians 4.30. I'll read around it a little bit so you can get the context. So verse 29, oh, look at verse 28. Let's go for it. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work. Do something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. I think believers still, no, not believers. They don't do bad things. If you're a believer, you're only going to do good things. See, that's the thinking that many people have, is wrong thinking. Yeah, believers can steal. Yeah, they can. Verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now listen, it keeps going on. Get <laughs> Because these are all ways we grieve the Holy Spirit. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, slander, and every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ is in Christ. God forgave you. So these are ways to think about who we are in Christ, right? These ways should be circulating in your, in your heart. Not those other things. Those are things circulating in your mind from the sin nature. 
But we can allow, those of us who are believers in this age, can allow the spirit of truth to begin to reorganize, renovate the way we think. We have the opportunity. Others may not. So we can break the cycle. Let's keep going. We're in two. All right. um, e, what is right? Kalas. It is just a definition. It's properly uh, beautiful, but chiefly or figuratively means good, literally or morally. That is valuable or virtuous for appearance of use, and that is distinguished from a different word, which is properly intrinsic. So it's not the only word for good, it, honest, fair, right? These are all ways this word is translated in the Greek. So first, <clears throat> first and point F, we do not have the capability of doing good in Adam. We don't. We, we just can't. And even if we're in Christ, we may still be ignorant of how to do good and the will to do good so that's why there's a judgment seat of Christ that we can we will receive what is due us for the things done in the body whether they be good or bad we can do good once we're believers but that doesn't mean everything we do is good because we're believers otherwise there wouldn't need to be a judgment seat of Christ so we have the capability of doing good. God will sort that out at the judgment seat of Christ. But first, we must be born again. And the Spirit must teach us what is good. Then we can choose to do good things. See, it's not just doing good, but it's doing good God's way. It's doing good for God's purposes. It's for what you what is the purpose? Why are you doing good? So those questions are on the table when God is... Is, is telling us to do good because there's a specific motivation. That's the motivation of the Spirit. It's very specific. So, we're going to keep going. I think we have uh, just, we can finish this. Uh, so, let's go to point three. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. So now, that's the text. Let's see what, what it means. And Point A, in every, in the, I would say it means in every situation, seek to do what the Spirit motivates. And there are some examples given here. And when I say some examples given here, it's not just this verse, but we've been in verses that talk about this. Love must be sincere. And these are all more principles right, of, of conduct under the motivation of the Spirit. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to that which is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who... So, We've been getting these guidelines through in this section week by week. We've been going through it. We didn't rush through it. We took it, took our time in each one, try to understand where we're coming from, making sure we have the right purpose in mind and not just giving out 
commands. These are not laws like the Mosaic law or the moral law. These are situational things that may happen to you as you're walking in this world. And the Spirit has the motivation in this area. It tells you how to walk. It shows you what the proper motivation is. And knowing the Spirit's motivation is not just it. You say, okay, the Spirit told me to do this, right? No, the Spirit's motivation is to be able to fulfill the Father's eternal purpose, right? That's his, what he's here for, to explain what that is. It's new. It wasn't, it's not in the Old Testament. Our life is, is not, was not revealed in the Old Testament. So who's going to let us know what it is? The Spirit is going to motivate us, right? He's on the ground. He's in our hearts. He's in, he's, he indwells us. And he motivates us from the inside. But if you don't have the proper motivation, because uh, the sin nature motivation is also there, and you may not be able to distinguish that until you have the renewing and transformation process going on. That's the only way you're going to know. You're not going to know by reading the Ten Commandments. That's not how it works. So in every situation, seek to do what the Spirit motivates. And there are some examples given here. I read some of them, just as so you can pick up the context. Point B, we cannot control every situation or the volition of others. So, listen, we would love to be at peace and have harmony and all of that in every situation, but that's just not possible. So, as far as you are concerned, you have to have some resolutions in the way you think about things. Right? We can't control it. It could be a fellow believer who's done something to you or acted in ways that are offensive or whatever happens. There are some limitations to the spirits and our influence in the world. Right? Even though we have the spirit, God is not going to overrule people to make them do what he wants. There are some opportunities for discipline and training that God has all of us involved in, but some situations can get out of, uh, out of balance. So we, because we have the Spirit, we can't control what others do. We can do, have some um, say in what we do. That's what it means. As much, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, right, live at peace with everyone. So point C, we should resolve to allow the Spirit to direct our lives. That should be going into it. Once we understand the way, we should resolve, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to walk in the way. I want to, I want to sacrifice my life so that Christ can come and live in me, just like we were talking about earlier. Because I live, you also will live. We should resolve that, right? We don't have to look at every situation. What am I going to do in this situation? Okay, evil is being presented to me right now, and what am I going to do back, right? We shouldn't have to evaluate every situation as it comes up. We should already have our go-to plan. Our go-to plan is to follow what the Spirit wants us to follow, to, to allow the Spirit to direct our lives. See, so... 
we should, and that's point C, we should resolve to allow the Spirit to direct our lives in advance. This is what we we're saying for, think about it for ourselves. And not to play it by ear. A lot of times people will do that. They will just think of it and say in their minds, well, whatever happens, I'll make the decision right there. I'll decide. If somebody does something to me, I'll do it back to them. If they, That could be, and we may do what is natural to us, because that competes with the Spirit's motivation. That those two are competing. But who makes the decision? We do. We, we allow the Spirit to have his way in our lives, to allow his motivation in our lives. And that's the only good that we can perform in this world. If we allow the sin nature to, to, to motivate us and we do things according to the sin nature, that's not good. And that will be rejected at the judgment seat of Christ. So, point D. Love for the Father's plan satisfies the requirements for our motivation. That's Romans 5.5. 5. <clears throat> so just know, even we think about all this, it can all be summed up in love. When we think about the love is the motivation of the Spirit. Love is our commitment, our devotion, our dedication to the Father's eternal purpose. That doesn't come from us. We don't have that intrinsically. It comes from the spirit of truth. That's how we come to be able to live the Christian life. You don't have, you don't have to take it moment by moment and say, well, if this happens, I'm going to do this. If that happens, I'm going to do this. Love is the overriding principle that makes all of these things work. Because we are committed. We understand right, our objective. When we get up in the morning, we don't have to wonder what we're going to do today. Right? We know Love motivates us, gives us that commitment, the vision to be able to move forward and fulfill the, the purpose that God called us. So it's love. So verse 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we don't have that. We need it, though. It's a provision from the Father so that we can fulfill our time here in the world. In this particular age, God has provided for us. We need to avail ourselves of that provision. It's the only way it will work properly. So it satisfies all of this. It coalesces all of these things together so that we now can function without the thought of all these individual pieces. You know, love binds them all together and gives us the proper motivation from the Spirit. So, yeah, you might see these things happening, but love is the overriding principle. Love is the thought that goes into it before these things happen to us. Point number four, we're, we're, we're continuing. So as much as it depends on you, if it is possible, if you if if it, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So the first point is obviously 
this is applied to fellow believers in Christ. But now we can see the extension to everyone according to the ongoing context. We saw it earlier as well, where he says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Here we're saying live at peace with everyone. Now, living in this world means we're not only going to be uh, in the church, right? Or, or we are the church, but we're not only going to be interacting with other believers, fellow believers. We're going to be interacting with everyone in the world. So not only do these principles apply, but we have to apply them appropriately. So point B, peace. And there's, it just means to be or act peaceful, to have or have, to live in peace or peaceably. It simply means tranquility, you know, uh, harmony. That's what our function is. That's what we want, right? We have a calling. This is point C. We have a calling here. And this is why we were chosen before time began. And that's Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. We've been blessed in the spiritual and the heavenly realms and with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So we have a calling. This is special. And that's why we're, we're chosen before time began. That's why we're here now. Point D. Our mission is not to get involved in worldly matters. See, worldly matters is the way the world does things and what's important to the world. That's not our goal. We got a different mission. We got a different goal. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be abreast of worldly matters. We shouldn't know what worldly matters are. But we're not to be heavily involved in worldly matters because it will take us away from what our mission is. But we are to be here for the Father's purpose. 2 Timothy 3.4 gives us an example of what this means. And this, this whole chapter will be good to read, right? But I'm going to read verse 4 for the sake of time. 2 Timothy 2, 3, 2 Timothy, I have, it should be chapter 2. I, I don't know if I, I need to, or just, it's 2 Timothy 2. Verses 3 and 4. Look at that. It says, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ. So while we're in this world, we're on a mission. We may have to suffer because it's like we're a soldier here, dispatched on a mission. Think about it that way. Verse 4. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Notice this is an analogy from the military. And it's saying when you're dispatched into some place, you have a mission. What should be on your mind is not to get all distracted in the politics of what the country is doing or what's happening over here, what's happening over, what the motivations, don't get caught up in the motivations of the world. We are to keep our focus on the mission that uh, God the Father has us here in the world. Right? That's the mission. That's what to focus. But if you look and you want to read through this, this is pretty good. It deals with 
And I'll let you read this chapter. You ought to read it uh, because it deals with, oh, here's an, uh, an athletic uh, example, the, a farming ar 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 architectural example. Um, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. Paul is giving us different ways to see it. But we have a goal, a mission here. We're, we're not here just to be rubbing shoulders with the unbelievers down here. We have a mission. Not only to bring them the gospel so that they can be saved, but then to help them to understand and be led into the full knowledge of the truth. That's our mission. All of us. So... Not just because someone has a gift for that or not. Even if they don't have the gift for that, it's still the overall goal for why we're here. Whatever gift you have. So point E. There will be enemies and certainly opposition to us. Well, we know that. That's what it means where it says earlier in verse Second Timothy 2, 3. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ. It's going to be opposition. And, uh, and enemies. And John 15, 20 speaks to that. Uh, there's a lot, the whole, quite a lot. If you read around these verses, hopefully you'll see that these verses are in the context of what we're talking about. 15, 20 says, Remember when I told you a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. They obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Why? Because our teaching is his teaching. If they persecuted him, they're going to persecute you. What is the main thing they're going to persecute you for? Because of the way you look, the clothes you wear? No, it's going to be what you think, the teaching. Right? It's because we've been transformed. Right? The, the new way of thinking, the new age information is upon us. We're going to be persecuted because of that. Christ was crucified because they did not want to accept him as the Messiah. So this is, this is we shouldn't be surprised if there's opposition in the world to, to us. We should take it. Remember, think about how we should respond, right? And try to counter the evil with good. Be, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone is in the context here. So don't be surprised. Evil will come, right? Point F, don't give the world an opportunity to discredit us. After all, we have the words of life. Now, so what do I mean by that? We're going to get into a little bit of it. Uh, John 6, 68. Let's look at it. Uh, what do we mean by this statement? 6, 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Remember, he says, do you want to leave too? Because they left. Yeah, they were offended at what Jesus said. And they left him, these so-called disciples turned back and followed him, didn't follow him anymore. He turned to the twelve. He said, what about you? Do you want to leave? And Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You know what? We now have the words of eternal life. People may walk away from us because of that, just like they did in this verse. 
they may decide, wow, this is it right here. I mean, if you believe this, this that is grace. I mean, I could go on. There's a lot of different beliefs that we may have that are counter to the fact that we're not Israel. We're not. We're new creation. And then the Second Corinthians five nineteen is the other verse I had in, that made me think of this. Second Corinthians five nineteen says. Uh, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Now that's deep in and of itself to tell the world because they think that sin is the major thing between them and God. And when you tell them that sin is not between them and God anymore, God is not even counting your sins against you. It is offensive. I don't know why it should be offensive. It should be rejoicing, but... It's offensive to people because they want to shoulder their sins. But that's not why I brought this verse. There's a lot there. But here it is, these last words. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So that's why we're here. That's going to cause, cause people to be antagonistic towards us, to hate us. Because of the message we have. This is the message that we have. That we're supposed to go out and tell people. This message. But So it's already the message we have is going to cause uh, the world to hate us. Don't act in ways returning evil for evil. Don't do that and cause the world to be able to discredit us and not even listen to us. Because we, we have the words of life. We have to live, as it says, circumspectly before unbelievers so that they don't, uh, they don't see that as, that goes to point G, as a stumbling block. In 2 Corinthians 6, 3, let's read this one. It says, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path. Why? So that our ministry will not be discredited. If you want to take some time to read those chapters, I gave you the 2 Timothy chapter 2 or the 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The whole chapter is good reading in this regard. Because the, our ministry will not be discredited. In other words, you could do things and behave as the world behaves. And you know what? People will not want to hear anything from you. Yeah, you may have the words of life. You may know how to tell people to grow up. But because of the way you behaved, people don't want to hear it from you. You could destroy your witness in this world. So be careful how you live. Be careful that you don't bring discredit or blame to the ministry that we're here. Remember, remember we said that first. We said we're here for a mission. That's why we're here. Who are we? And what are we doing here? We, we, we got a purpose. They may not have our purpose, but we have a purpose. We have the words of life, and this is a chapter for good reflection to read. So I'll, I'll leave you with some some thoughts 
But I'll stop at this point just to check and see if there are any thoughts, any questions. Uh, If so, the floor is open. I just have a thought. um, The scripture said we must live as Christ lives, right? So we talk about impersonal love. I didn't see anything about impersonal love, Dave. No, I know you haven't said anything. I'm just saying, though. And related to what we were saying that, we said, you know, we should be paid evil for evil. So I'm asking, does this have anything to do with impersonal love? No, it doesn't. Okay. Okay. Impersonal love is some other concept that is not what we've been talking about. We have, our love is not based on just, you know, we love ourselves or something. Our love is based on the motivation from the spirit that we have regarding the Father's eternal purpose. That's it's devotion, it's the commitment that we have, that we have grown up, because love is more mature in the way this functions. So love focuses on the Father's eternal purpose, not just any thought, but the, the, it has direction. Our love has direction, it has the proper motivation from the Spirit, who has the same motivation to fulfill the mind of Christ to us. So it's not just, oh, well, if you just love, then you have this, you know, and and you have personal love for believers and impersonal love for all mankind. I heard that before, but that's not what we're talking about here. That this is love, how I would define it, as it relates to the context, to Scripture. So that we can understand that it has direction. So we're not just doing things. We have a purpose for doing them. There's a reason for why we, we should do what is good and live at peace with everyone. What's that reason? If we're not talking about the Father's eternal purpose for that reason, then it's not love. Because then that says that we don't have, we're not committed and devoted to the Father's eternal purpose. That's the reason why we're here. In the first place, that's the reason why he chose us in him before the creation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless in his sight. It goes, everything fits together, you know, when we talk about our motivation for why we do what we do. I hope, hope does that make any sense, or I'll pause. Yes, it, 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 it makes sense. Yeah, so that's, that's why, that's how I, I would define love. It gives it a purpose. It gives it a direction that also coalesces with our eternal purpose and the Father's eternal purpose. So for that reason, that's how we would further define love in this way. So uh, it's a more mature way to think about it, especially as it relates to Ephesians 3. But, well... I'll pause. Other thoughts out there before we uh, run out of time? All right. We're going we're gonna to wrap it up at this point. And um, let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had. We thank you for the words that you have given us and preserved for us all these many centuries. That we can read them today and allow the Spirit to motivate us and to teach us 
the direction. We thank you for those who have joined and we pray as we, our focus is that which allows you to fulfill your purpose within us while we're in this world. Father, we pray again for the prayer list that we, we may be free to think about these things. Uh, I know there are so many things pressing on us from every side, but we leave those things in your capable hands, Father so that we can direct our attention to you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.